All right, take your Bibles, please, and let's go to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. The theme is joy this morning. The theme is joy. We're in this little series called Rooted, and there's an outline you maybe picked up on the way in. Maybe you've got uh, your app open, Three Crosses app. What we're saying in this series is that when the Spirit of God lives within us, he bears a kind of fruit that is very much the same as the fruitfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ when he walked the earth, the life and ministry of Jesus. We bear the same fruit that Jesus bore when we walk in the Spirit. And that's what Galatians 5 says, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh, Paul writes. Verse 17, the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. The Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. And then verse 19 through 21, you get this giant list of all these acts or deeds of the flesh. They're obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, on down the list, selfish ambition, drunkenness, orgies, the like. Paul says there's really no end to this list. But then in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. This is not a rule-keeping list, Paul's saying. This is not a legalism back door. This is just basically saying when you walk by the Spirit of God, you bear a fruit, you bear the fruit that is very much the same as the fruit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what we're saying in this series is it, the root determines the fruit. How do you know if you're of the Spirit? How do you know if you're a believer in Christ? Well, you're either dominated by fruitfulness in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, or you're dominated by the vices of life, sexual immorality, debauchery, anger, hatred, dissensions, and the like. And you just hang around someone long enough and you'll see really what comes out of their life. It's either virtue or it's vice. Now, just, uh, there's some interesting little peculiar things about this, and I just I want to emphasize this again because the, the little list in verses 19 through 21 there that, that we talked about, these acts or deeds of the flesh, uh, they're sort of a, a menu item. Uh, they, they don't necessarily go all together. I mean, you might meet someone whose their problem is sexual immorality, but they're a very loving person. They're not hatred. They're not haters. And so in this list, it's sort of like a menu. You pick and choose. It's kind of you go, your flesh goes in certain directions. And there's any number of things you can go after. But the fruit of the Spirit, the difference of that, that list is it's not a menu. It's not like you could be loving and not be gentle. Or it's not that you could be, uh, you know, patient and not be faithful. This is a, a, a bouquet, as it were. This is, the fruit of the Spirit is a package. It's, it's singular. We talked about the difference there the, between the, the list of the vices, which are plural, the acts of the flesh or the deeds of the flesh, and the fruit of the Spirit is singular. And so that's a beautiful thing. And here's something else paradoxical about this, this list of this nature of the fruit of the Spirit. And that is, is that these are all byproducts of walking in the Spirit. So when you're walking in the Spirit, all of these things are a part of your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth. They're all a part of your life. They come through your life. But the paradox of it is, is that you're, we're also commanded to pursue these things also. 
So that's kind of interesting to me. So like we learned about love last week. Well, love comes as a result of walking in the Spirit. We should be natural lovers because we walk in the Spirit, right? But we're commanded, Jesus commanded, John 13, 34. He says, love each other as I have loved you. There's this command in all of these areas. There's a pursuit that we go after. So it's in one sense natural, but in another sense we move toward it. And I think that pictures the... Uh, the difference in the scriptures between our, uh, our positional righteousness and our, you know, our, our pursuit of righteousness, as it were. In Hebrews 10, 14, I love that verse, by one sacrifice, Jesus has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Do you get that? So we're made perfect in God's eyes through faith in Christ, and we have this beautiful gift of the Spirit of God and all of the fruit of the Spirit of God, but then we are also pursuing because we are being made holy in his sight each and every day. Are you following that? So that's, that's really a cool, I don't know, just a little reminder as to where we are. Now, we come to this idea of joy. And if there's something fascinating about joy, it's this, that God's presence and plan is the surest way to experience true joy in life. And let's just put on the screen Psalm 1611. This is a beautiful verse of scripture. Let's read it out loud together. Ready, here we go. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Don't you love how the psalmist talks about in the presence of the Lord there is joy. There is joy. And you know, we're in this series, we're toggling between, okay, the fruit of the Spirit, and then let's see what that comes out in the life of Jesus. Let's see this in the life of Jesus. And, and there's a couple examples, I think, in the book of Luke, where Jesus sends out the 72, remember, and they go out and they, they have ministry, and they come back and they report. And, and it says at that time, verse 21 of Luke chapter 10, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. So here in the life of Jesus, I love how Luke recounts, he says, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit, joy is a big part of your life. Like we saw in the video this morning, those beautiful believers, the Sanche people in northern Vietnam, filled with joy. Amazing. And then I love what Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 12, he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So there again, the joy set before him. We're going to come back to that text in just a little bit. So there's a couple things everybody should know about joy. And I, I'm, I'm just taking for granted here that maybe some of us don't know this. This might be a little bit of a reminder for some of us. But if you're taking notes, here are some things that everyone should know about joy. Two big ideas with a few things underneath them. First of all, joy should not be confused with happiness. Joy should not be confused with happiness. Joy is much deeper, more abiding. It's not, that it, that it's not that its expression is all that different. I mean, if you look at a joyful person, they might look really happy. But joy is a lot deeper than that because you might look at a, someone that's actually full of joy and you don't see necessarily happiness in them. Joy sometimes looks like contentment. Joy sometimes looks like uh, peace. Joy sometimes looks like resolve. 
Joy is, is a deeper, richer experience. In fact, the New Testament word for joy, this abiding, deep sense of satisfaction is kara in the Greek language and some of its derivatives. And it's used about 60 times in the New Testament and it's never about uh, circumstances. Which brings us to the second little point here, that joy isn't necessarily connected to one's circumstances. And by the way, there's nowhere in the Bible really that talks about that we should have a happy feeling, okay? Uh, happiness is not God's chief concern. I hate to break that to some of you. Holiness is his chief concern. God wants us to be holy, not necessarily happy. And I think a lot of us kind of live our lives on the barometer of God's will for my life is whether or not I am happy. And if I'm not happy, then that can't be God's will for my life. So we jettison really important things in our lives. We jettison marriages. We jettison our relationships with our family. We jettison uh, 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 responsibilities. We jettison things because we say, I'm not happy. And happiness has really nothing to do with joy. Um, in fact, there's really no, not even any Greek word. There's one Greek word that kind of hints at this idea of a cheerfulness that comes. It's not that God doesn't want us to have the expression of happiness. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying joy is so much deeper and more abiding. And the reason why it's not connected to our circumstances. Uh, Paul, he, he's one of our ushers up there in the back on Sunday mornings, I think first hour. We haven't seen him for a couple of weeks because he's been struggling with leukemia. He's in a fight with leukemia, okay? And he's got uh, these, you know, the byproduct of some of the medications are these lesions that come out on his body. It's just terrible. I saw him a couple weeks ago and I walked through the door. It doesn't matter. Whenever you see Paul, even if he's got lesions all over his face, you know, his skin is just breaking loose because the medications just make his thin skin so thin. And, you know, you know how that is. And, and there he is, you know, uh, just smiling, happy in the sense of, of joy. And so I hear, okay, where was Paul this last week? Well, he was in the hospital. Oh, no. So Monday I go down, or I can't remember what day it was, sometime early this last week, I went down and saw him in the hospital, Kaiser Hospital, San Leandro. And I walk in his room, and there he is. He's in bed. He's got lesions all over his body. Um, and his wife, dear wife Marilyn, is, is sitting there. And, and they, I walk in the door, and they're like, Pastor Larry! They're just, why did you, you didn't have to come. Oh, it's so good to see you. And we just smile, smile, smile. And honestly, if you wouldn't have known the condition of this man, you would have thought, if you just were listening, you could have pictured yourself at a poolside of a five-star hotel somewhere in the Caribbean or something like that. I mean, honestly, it was that sweet and that beautiful. And that's the way Paul is. You know, if you come through that door, you know Paul, that's the way he is. He is full of joy because he walks in the spirit of God. Joy is a huge thing. And now feelings come and go. And feeling, feelings have to do with our circumstances. The word happy is connected to things that happen in our lives. Happiness is connected to happenings in our lives. And so that's why some of us are up and down like a roller coaster because happy feelings go away. There's a, a little movie. I love this little movie called Finding Nemo. There's this little clip. I got to show you this clip because I thought of it when I was preparing this message. Just watch this. Just take a couple seconds. Do you see anything? I see a, I see a light. A light? Yeah, over there. Hey, Conscience, am I dead? Oh, I, I, I see it too. What is it? It's so pretty. I, I'm feeling happy which is a big deal. 
for me. I want to touch it. Oh. Hey, come back. <laughs> come on back here. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get I'm you. I'm gonna swim with you. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna be your best friend. <laughs> Good feelings gone. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I always think of that clip when suddenly good feelings are gone. <laughs> you know, you're going along, everything's going great, and all of a sudden, boom, some circumstance comes in your life and your good feelings are gone. But does your joy disappear necessarily? No. Your joy can be solid. Let me give you some beautiful things about what joy can overturn in your life. Uh, first of all, joy can overturn anxiety. Joy can overturn anxiety. A lot of us are anxious this morning. Uh, I have to admit this week I've had a few little waves of anxiousness <laughs> in my heart. Uh, knowing about today and knowing about just sharing some things in my life. But you know what? Every time I thought about it, I said, Lord, thank you for the joy that you give to us. Thank you that in the midst of change, thank you in the midst of whatever's going on in our lives, we can just experience that joy. And joy comes over us. Joy overturns anxiety. I love what Psalm 94, 19 says, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. That Hebrew word joy there is the equivalent of the kara word in the New Testament. It's a deep inner satisfaction of God's best, knowing that God is in control of all things. Number two, joy can overturn anguish and sorrow. Joy can overturn anguish and sorrow. Some people live in a terminal state of anguish and sorrow over the way life's going. Things in the past, things in the present, worries about the future. We get this glimpse into how low things can be, but how joy is the fruit that comes from the Spirit of God when we check out verses like Psalm 30 verse 11 that says, you have turned my wailing into dancing and removed my sackcloth and clothed me with what? Joy. That's what God wants to do. I, I feel for people who don't have an abiding, surrendered relationship with Jesus Christ because the, the one obvious missing aspect of their life is a, a joy that is there despite whatever is going on. I don't mean that they gotta be happy all the time. I'm not happy all the time, but there's an abiding joy that comes from walking in the Spirit. How beautiful is that? I like Luke 6.23, Jesus said, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven for that is how their, your fa their fathers treated the prophets. He's talking about even when persecution comes, even when the heat turns up in your life. You've got sorrow in your life? You've got anguish in your life today? I was, yesterday I was talking to a man. I did a firefighter's funeral yesterday. And uh, a retired firefighter sitting at a little reception with me. And he's opening up. He's, he's in his 70s. And he served in San Leandro. Beautiful man. Lovely man. And uh, found out he was a believer in Christ. And as he was sharing with me, he was telling me that his wife, uh, they've been married, I don't know how many years, you know, a, a bunch, he's 71 years old, and he said, you know, but in the last four years or so, five years, uh, she's taken on dementia, and so she's, you know, at a care facility, I can't take care of her anymore because it just, uh, you know, when she's in this state, it's just brutally hard. And, and he said, you know, sometimes she remembers little things like she wants to go home. And in those moments, you know, uh, she becomes a little combative around the staff. And sometimes I just have to leave the care facility because it's just such a terrible. And, and so I'm listening to all that. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, but his big smile on his face, he goes, but you know, God, God has giving, given me joy in it all. Wow. Your bride, your wife the one you love, you see in the state she's in. And then I have to think, too, I mean, let's be real, 
where is the Holy Spirit and all of that for her? And is there some deep abiding joy that she's experiencing that doesn't come out like the way we want to see happiness come out in a person's life? She's trapped in this body, trapped in this mind. I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to trust God's word. I love how Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 7, 4, he says, I have great confidence in you. I take great pride in you. I am greatly encouraged in all our troubles. My joy knows no bounds. And if you knew the story there of 2 Corinthians, we don't have time to go into the backstory of that, but Paul is, is establishing the fact that his joy was not hinged with the circumstances of, it, of his life. And maybe today that's what's going on with you. You don't find joy, you can't experience joy because you're hinging joy with the experiences of your life and you're really looking for happiness and it's not there. And so you need the Holy Spirit. You need the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Number three, joy can overturn the fear of uncertainty over the profitability of one's work. I know this is a little complex, but Psalm 126, 5 and 6 says, Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. And that's a picture of a workman who's doing his job, but somehow is wondering, is this going to pay off? Is this going to happen? And the psalmist writes here in a beautiful way, if you, if, when you go out sowing with, reaping, uh, sowing with weeping, you will return with songs of joy carrying sheaves with them. I heard a story this past week in Dom Patrol. One of our men uh, of that ministry stood up and gave a little testimony. I'm not going to share his name or the particulars of it. It's kind of a delicate story. He's in a public position. He's a, a teacher in a local high school. He also has extracurricular activity with working with the sports team of the school. And he took a stand about a, a couple of weeks ago with some students on his team and, and, and in favor of those students and believing in them and not compromising who he was or anything else, he sort of stood with them and the administration didn't appreciate it. And There was a big brouhaha that took place and he was actually removed from his position as a, a person of that uh, extracurricular activity. And, and that happened on a Friday. And he comes to church last Sunday. And he was telling in his testimony, he goes, you know, I just couldn't wait to get to church. My, my heart was filled with joy. I just wanted to hear God's word. I want to sing songs of praise because I knew that God's in control. Doesn't matter. And if I told you the bigger part of the story, you'd be going like I was in Dom Patrol. I was thinking, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this. What's happened to this guy? He goes back on Monday, back to school, and because there had been a, a, a sort of an uprising of parents and people that heard about things that had gone on, there was another sort of brouhaha that took place, and the administration decided to rescind his discipline. They reinstated him. He was completely restored. Everything worked out, and he was just saying, you know, God's in control of it all. Amen. And I just, you know, that's, that's probably one of the vaguest stories you've ever heard in your life. But I'm protecting him, and I talked to him about it, and he gave me permission to talk about it at that level. But, you know, the great thing is that's, that's a man who's dialed into the Spirit of God in his life. Number four, joy is the guaranteed hope of everyone who belongs to God. This is so beautiful. Proverbs 10, 28, the prospect of the righteous is joy. Look at that. The prospect of the righteous is joy, but the hopes of the wicked come to what? Nothing. 
You're going to bank your whole life on the way you can craft and make things happen in your life. The Bible says that is a dismal equation. It does not come out good in the end. But the prospect of the righteous, those who have trusted in Christ, those who live their lives in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God, their prospect is joy. It's guaranteed in our lives. Praise God. And joy is the God-given response to the gift of salvation uh, we could talk a little bit more about this, but we'll move on. I just love how uh, the jailer in Acts 16, the jailer brought them into his house. This is where, remember, uh, Peter and John, they were, they were in jail. Uh, Paul and Silas, excuse me, Paul and Silas. And they were freed from jail, and, and the jailer wanted to kill himself. And they said, whoa, 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 you know, that's a little too much pain for the cure. We're all still here. And uh, he takes them to his home. Uh, they hear the, he hears the gospel. And I love how it says, he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole family. Amen. And Jesus said in Luke 10, 20, he says, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So isn't it a great joy, my, my beloved, that we have our names written in heaven. And this is what we have as followers of Christ. And Paul writes in Romans 14, 17, he says, the kingdom is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. So let's just shift gears for just a second and think about this from the life of Jesus. Let's go to, in the New Testament to the book of John, please. And we're gonna look at three little sections in the Gospel of John you have your Bibles, John chapter 15, chapter 16, and chapter 17. Just a couple of verses in each one of those uh, beautiful, rich passages. This is the uh, upper room discourse. Jesus is giving his disciples some final words, and uh, he's actually left the upper room, and they're probably somewhere in the Kidron Valley, and he's sharing these beautiful, powerful truths and here's some things we can learn about joy from our Lord Jesus. And I'm, we're going to find that joy is predicated on three things, okay? And they're really, really simple. Uh, they're going to go fast. But joy is predicated, first of all, I want you to see, on obedience. Um, so one of the things that uh, joy is predicated on is something very practical. And, and, and we find this here in chapter 15 in verse 10 where Jesus says, he says, if you keep my commands you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made complete. Isn't that good? This is very practical. You know, if, if you're lacking joy in your life, a deep abiding joy in your life today, might I suggest that maybe there's some area that's a little out of kilter with you and your relationship with God? I mean, if you want to talk to somebody who is lacking joy, talk to someone who knows they're compromising their faith practice, who are not living wholesomely unto the Lord, kind of trying to craft their own way. This is a very practical issue. I know in my own life, as I'm sure you can recount in yours, that in the times where you have sort of pushed away from the table and decided to kind of go your own way for a little bit, those are the times that are the most unrestful in your life as a follower of Christ. And if you really want to find that deep abiding joy, all you need to do, really, it's your joy is predicated on just slipping back into obedience and just acknowledging before God that your way hasn't been right and just, just start there again. And isn't it great that Jesus just takes us right where we are? There's no shame message that he gives us, you know, no bony finger in our face. He's so gentle. If you belong to Jesus, there's no fear in coming back to him. Perfect love casts out all fear, 1 John 4, 19. 
We don't have to worry about coming back to Jesus. So I don't know who's here this morning, but if you've been sort of in a place where you're just not really walking with Christ, you may claim to be a Christ follower, but you're not really surrendered to him. You're not in love with Jesus, and you know it, and you just kind of have squandered that beautiful relationship that he wants in your heart. All you need to do is agree with God, and he'll just restore your heart and he'll give you the joy you've been lacking. Isn't it beautiful? You know, that's why sometimes when I pray with people or when I've prayed a prayer of repentance or confession, there's tears oftentimes, and the tears are tears of what? Joy. Joy. Yeah. Practical thing. The precepts, and I like Psalm 19.8, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving what? Joy to the heart. The way to joy is through obedience. Here's the second thing. Joy is predicated on Jesus' resurrection. Now, this is where we go from practical to theological, okay? Chapter 16 of John. Let's go there quickly. Look at verse 20. This is all in the same conversation. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. This is a theological point. Joy is predicated on the resurrection of Christ. What does the resurrection of Christ give to us? It gives to us a a seeing through to the end. Now, my wife, bless her heart, she gave birth to three babies. Um, On each of those occasions, I was grateful to God that I was born a male because I watched what she went through. And I wouldn't have blamed her had she said to me, Larry, I'm never going to do this again. But she did, three times she did it. And the reason why she did is because after the pain of childbirth, the joy of the baby changes everything. You know, we've got all these little babies being born around our church. You know, James Tyler just had a baby, he and Bridget. How old is Cassie now? I thought you were gonna give us days and hours, okay. Is there something so beautiful, a month and a week? I mean, there's just a beautiful thing about a baby being born. I saw them in their house just a couple weeks ago, brought them a little meal over there, and there they are, smiling, big smiles, just, I don't know, a week after the baby was born. Already the anguish is gone. <laughs> it's just joy. And Jesus says, look, whatever you're going through, hang on. It's a beautiful reminder to us. Listen to what Peter writes, 1 Peter 1.8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter's talking about the persecution that was going on, the Neronian persecution. Christians were being lit up as torches. They're going through all this pressure and problems and, and, and Peter is writing about this and he's saying, look, joy comes, joy is there, consider it. James writes, one, two, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. 
I want you to consider the things that are giving you fits right now in your life. A difficult relationship, a job that's driving you crazy, financial woes, health issues, family struggles. In all of these things, I believe that God's promises overshadows and will say, hang on, joy comes. Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalm 30, verse 5. Wow, we need that in our lives. And joy comes from the Holy Spirit. There's a practical piece, obedience. There's a theological piece, the resurrection of Christ, who for the joy set before him, you know why Jesus endured the cross? He saw what was on the other side. Right now, you can have joy in whatever you're looking at because you can see on the other side. Last thing, joy is predicated on having a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that comes to us here in verse 23 of chapter 16. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be made complete. Go over to chapter 17, verse 13. I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. And Jesus is talking to his Father. And he's reminding us through the prayer that he prayed that the key to joy is not just practical, it's not just theological, it's relational. It's being in a relationship with God the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. And when you're connected to the Father, when you have that Father relationship, you know that you are his prized possession. There's nothing he wouldn't do for you, nothing he wouldn't withhold from you that is good and profitable and right. I have a friend. It's a delicate story. It's another vague story, I'm going to tell you. (laughs) I have a friend who has an adult son who is married two kids, teenagers, lives in a different state. This friend of mine does not belong to our church, so don't try to figure out who this is. (laughs) And his friend, my friend, his son went AWOL about, I don't know, three years ago. Left his wife, left his kids, just disappeared. He had had a bad background in gangs, drugs. Family thought he probably went back to that. They started looking in prisons. They started looking everywhere. Could not find him. He disappeared disappeared but in a strange turn of events he told me just this past week he had found out that his son was homeless he was living in an encampment somewhere in another state and it burdened him so badly he decided that he would take a flight and go look for his son and it took him all day to get to where he was going and He took some of the hints that were along the way and along with a friend that he knew there in that place who knew and had suspicion and had a kind of another word from somebody where his son might be. After nine hours of searching, late in the night, he found his son. And this picture I'm showing you happened moments after they found each other. And there's so much more to this story. I'll save it for another day. But as he told me this story with tears in his eyes, I was thinking of the love of the father for the prodigal. 
a son who comes home. I wonder if there's anybody here today that needs to come home. Come home. You need joy in your life? Come home. Come home. You'll never be embraced more dearly, more fully, more powerfully, more completely than our dear Father who loves us with an everlasting love. Joy. The power of God's Spirit to give us joy. Let's go to the Lord.